Episode 27, Vow of Practicality. Hey Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. And we're the hosts of Chain of Wealth. Today we're going to talk about practicality and what it means to everyday people. Yeah, Dan, I think people are having a hard time remembering the difference between a need and a want. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that as one's income can start to creep up slowly as you may get promoted and stuff like that, it's very easy to start buying more expensive things, enjoying the finer things in life. And I think it's very easy to start living beyond your means at a young age. Right. And then at a young age, you get into that habit of living beyond your means. And as CJ talks about later in our conversation with him, he talks about lifestyle creep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely something that can happen before you notice. And, you know, like you get comfortable and you want your $15 whole bean coffee beans from Whole Foods. (laughs) And, you know, like you end up living far beyond your means and you end up just wasting a huge amount of money that should be going towards either saving for retirement, maybe your kid's college, maybe a wedding, whatever it is. There's always something you should be saving for. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, so it's definitely important for people to sort of figure out where that balance lies. You talk about those $15 Whole Foods coffee beans like you know about that. <laughs> we all have our own problems. <laughs> all right, well, are you ready to talk to CJ? Yeah, let's dive right into the interview. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today we have CJ Cater with us. CJ is the founder of the blog Vow of Practicality. Located in Austin, Texas, he has a background as a financial analyst and a grant writer. Welcome, welcome. CJ. Thank you. CJ, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, well, like you said, I live here in uh, Austin, Texas, which is a really booming city right now, uh, known for its live music and a lot of uh, tech companies. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Nicole, and two little boys. Uh, Michael's the oldest, he's five, and Zachary is the youngest, and he's five months. Um, we, uh, As far as what we do here in Austin, we try to do a lot of things as a family. There is a lot to do around here, but uh, right now with a five-month-old, we aren't doing a whole lot, but we're hoping in the next few months that uh, we'll get back out there and start exploring a little bit more. Wow. I bet you have your hands full with two little boys like that. Oh, yeah, we really <laughs> do, for sure. So, CJ, can you tell us what your biggest money mistake you've ever made was? Yeah, I've made... Um, a lot of mistakes, or I should say, I've had a lot of uh, lessons. Um, uh, I, one of the biggest mistakes, uh, you know, I owned my own gym, uh, or I co-owned a gym here in Austin for about five years, and, and it kind of ended in disaster. And and while on paper that would look like the biggest mistake, honestly, the lesson I got from that was this whole idea of lifestyle creep. Uh, I think this is a huge mistake that most Americans are making right now. Um, and what lifestyle creep is, it, it's when you're, you know, when you're 22 and you get out of college and you're not making that much money and you get used to just spending all of it that comes in on expenses. But, but over time, you start to make 
more money. And then you start to spend more money. And next thing you know, it's 10 years later and you're making twice as much and spending twice as much. So it's not really what you make, it's it's what you keep. And there's there's two kind of big factors that come in with lifestyle creep. Um, you can really get yourself in a bind when your revenue stops coming in temporarily. So for instance, when, when I lost my business, I suddenly didn't have any income. And what this meant was I would literally, I would literally do this. I would look outside at my car at a nice convertible Mustang GT with like a 500 or $600 payment. I would literally see a giant dollar sign over it with the amount. <laughs> <laughs> and I would see my motorcycle. I had this Yamaha R1 I had just bought and I would see the amount I was paying every month. And, and suddenly those things that were toys were these huge liabilities and the strain on my life. And I realized that if I didn't have those, this transition to finding a new job or whatever really wouldn't be that big of a deal. But now I'm really having to hustle to come up with the money to pay for all these expenses. The other major thing is, the other major way you can get in a real bind is when your revenue stops permanently. So when you turn 62 or 65 or whatever, and you're trying to retire and you have lifestyle creep for 40 years, and not only are your expenses through the roof because you're used to paying all this stuff for everything, um, you also uh, didn't save for retirement because you spent all your money on cars. You bought a new car every three years instead of investing and that sort of thing. So I think lifestyle creep is one of the biggest problems uh, that Americans are facing right now. And if they got a hold of it, they would find that not only would their life be better, but they could probably even retire much earlier than they can even imagine. It's amazing how things can just spiral out of control. And before you know it, you've got so many monthly payments due each and every month. Um, I always say that if you invest in things like expensive cars and stuff like that, it's probably one of the worst financial mistakes you can make. Because the thing is, if you were to put that money into a house, as an example, houses over time tend to appreciate. But a car, for the most part, always depreciates in value. So it's probably one of the worst investments you can make. So we can completely relate. Um, we were actually at the car dealership yesterday um, trying to get rid of Katie's old car. So <laughs> And when he says old car, it's like a year old. <laughs> it's not like a, a little shack rolling down the street. It's like a really nice Honda, but we don't ever use it like ever to the point where we'll park it in the parking garage at our apartment building. And then like three weeks later, when we go to use it, we don't even remember where we parked it. So we made the decision that it is time to let it go. <laughs> I think, um, I think cars are just one of the biggest wastes of money. People will go out and spend $40,000 on a car without even thinking about it when, you know, maybe a house where they live is 150,000. That's a third of a house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and within just uh, maybe three or four years, that car is worth half what you started at, right? You just threw all that money away and, and for what? You yeah, know? <laughs> it's definitely a terrible investment. So let's talk a little bit about Vow of Practicality. Where did the idea for your blog come from? That's a good question. Um, in a lot of ways, it started a very long time ago. Um, I had a buddy of mine when I was in the military. Uh, we were stationed in South Korea, and he married a Filipino girl. And I, after the military, I decided to go over there and visit him. I, I stayed there for about a year, actually. 
And the Philippines is a, is a pretty poor country, like any third world country. And, um, and one night I was, I was walking uh, kind of from the bus stop. They're called jeepneys there. But I was, I was going from the bus stop to a downtown area where me and my friends would, you know, party or whatever at a club. And um, I walked past this family on the sidewalk. It was a mom, uh, two kids, and a baby. I'm, I'm pretty sure at least one of the kids was completely naked. Um, the other one had just almost nothing on. And the mother was asking for money. And she asked me for money. And I said, uh, voila, which means uh, I have nothing in Tagalog. Um, now, you have to realize in a third world country, there's a lot of scammers. So I was used to people trying to scam me all the time. And I was only like 20 or 21 years old. So I just my friends and we had a good time or whatever and hours later it's probably about 2 a.m and i'm walking back from there going to the bus stop and i look over on the sidewalk and i see um that family there asleep and it dawned on me that this was real that those children were spending every day of their life you know baking in the sun and i just brush them aside like nothing you know it was like this punch in the gut it didn't it hadn't dawned on me that this was real so what also dawned on me was that three meals a day and a roof over their head would make those people the happiest people in the world now here i am in america all these years later listening to people complain about not having the newest smartphone or something and that i found that sort of irritating um, because that stuff isn't going to make you happy. I mean, I'm not opposed to having that stuff. I, I just think we could be so much happier if we kept our lives in perspective. So I started the vow practical, uh, the vow practicality with all this in mind. I wanted people to make decisions that, of course, kept them from being poor. Because there's no doubt, being poor will make you miserable. Money may not make you happy, but being poor will make you miserable. Um, but I want people to be wealthy because I, I want them wealthy financially and psychologically. I want them to feel secure. I want people to be able to travel and spend time with their families. Um, but it's not about fancy cars like we just talked about or anything like that. I, I don't want people to think that stuff is going to make them happier. Um, but money, yes, I think money can help because money, like I said, buys you freedom. It keeps you off the sidewalk. It gives you peace of mind. So I, I remember thinking that if everyone took a vow of poverty for a while, they would begin to learn where happiness comes from. But I didn't think um, calling it the vow of poverty would work over very good. <laughs> so <laughs> I went with the vow of practicality. So that's why. So do you have a favorite blog post? When I was looking through the vow of practicality, you have a ton of posts that you have made. Which one is your favorite? Yeah, I have sort of an eclectic, uh, my posts sometimes are very different from each other. My my favorite posts and what seem to be the most popular, they get featured in, in other places, are my ones where I do characters. So I have these um, imaginary characters that I interview. So I have, um, I have Matt the Millennial and I have... Um, uh, Professor M who has a time machine and I have Ciro the alien and I guess my favorite and most people's favorite is my Ciro the alien guy and I, I did a post with him where 
you know, he's coming down from outer space and he's looking at us like we're crazy. He doesn't understand. And he doesn't understand, for instance, why we're spending four hours, the average person watching television every single day. And he's confused. He's like, don't you realize you could read 240 books in a year instead of watching TV? Or don't you realize you could be spending all that time with your family or learning a new skill or something, anything but staring at this this stupid box all day. Why, what are you doing? <laughs> so <laughs> I think uh, that's probably my favorite post and my favorite character. And I, and I plan to sort of keep working, keep interviewing him, you know, in the future. So what advice would you have for someone who's trying to pay off their debt? Uh, um, well, you have to have a plan. If you're going to get your debt paid off, you and, and if you're married, your wife, you have to literally have a plan, write it down and figure out where you're trying to get. Uh, me and my wife, we paid off, it was over $10,000 in credit card debt and we did it in about a year. And um, at first it seemed uh, impossible. When you just look at the numbers, you go, I can't pay off $10,000 in a year. But you start thinking about the things you can cut out that are kind of worthless, you know, whether it's, you know, that coffee you buy in the morning or whatever you're splurging on and you realize, man, there's an extra two or $300 a month. I'm just kind of blowing on junk food or something. And you also start to realize that as you pay off each debt, you have that money you were spending on the debt to spend on your next debt. That's that whole idea of a, a snowball effect. So if you have five credit cards and they're all hundred dollars a month, when you pay off the first one, you now have an extra hundred dollars to put towards the other ones, plus the things you were cutting out. And, and when you have a plan like that, it really starts adding up and, and you start building momentum. Um, the other thing to think about is just make sure you should pay off the debt because not all debts are an emergency. You know, your, your mortgage it may not be that important to try it, to pay it off earlier. You know, our mortgage rate is like 2.9% on our home and um, inflation's about the same. So we're, I feel like I'm better off investing that money instead of uh, paying off my mortgage right now. Um, you just have to keep in mind that it doesn't do you any good not to pay off your mortgage and not invest either because then that doesn't help. But, uh, but yeah, I, th I think you just got to have a plan. That's it. Yeah, it definitely comes down to discipline. Like at the end of the day, even if you've paid off that one credit card for $100, don't think you have an extra $100 to spend every month. It's knowing to use that money to rather put it into your debts or like you say, start investing in, into something else potentially and just making sure you just don't touch it. <laughs> And having a plan is so important. Me and Dennis were actually sitting yesterday trying to like map out what our plans are for the next year and everything. And we we're like, okay, if we do this, then we can save for that. And it definitely made us feel much better. Yeah. If you don't have a plan, there's a 0% chance of you reaching that goal. You know, it's that simple. Awesome. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, are you struggling to pay off debt? We've created an awesome debt guide just for you. Head over to chainofwealth.com slash debt. There you'll find an awesome guide with a whole bunch of tips and tricks that will get you out of debt in the fastest time possible. We get you to structure your own debt and really get develop a plan that you can use 
and it's customized to each individual person. So you can really get a lot out of it. That's chainofwealth.com slash debt to find out more. So CJ, why do you think that people fail at achieving their dreams? Really, I think people fail because they're afraid of failing. Um, I think some things become a lot clearer as you get older. You know, when you're 22 and you fail at something, at that moment in time, it just looks like a failure. But by the time you're 32 and you're looking back on it, it looks like a lesson. Um, so many people don't reach their potential because they don't recognize that what they're calling failures is actually just life teaching them how not to do something. Those failures are what are um, preparing them for greater things. Uh, so, you know, that's what Edison used to say, right? He said, someone asked him about... Um, uh, the light bulb. Missing, yeah, the light bulb. Right? Was, <laughs> I don't know what exactly said, but his response was like, it, it's, uh, he found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. So each failure was actually moving him closer to his goal. And the key is he was aware of that. He knew he was getting closer to his goal by finding these failures. So it's just part of a process. So you have to be aware that your failures are teaching you things and they are moving you forward. And as you get older, each one of those failures is going to be a tool that you'll be able to use to realize your goals. And it's important to remind yourself if you're really are working towards that goal that each little mistake you make is just going to help you get to the next the next part uh, i thought it was funny you know as you imagine it this way so if you see a baby when they're trying to walk for the first time and they keep falling down as an adult you look at them and you know all they have to do is keep practicing and they're going to walk right but but could you imagine if the baby just said uh oh, I've fallen down like three times now. I give up. I'm not going to, I gave it a shot. I'm just going to have to crawl around the rest of my life. <laughs> but This know, whole walking thing just doesn't work out for me. <laughs> it's not going to work. But you think about the fastest man on the planet had to start off learning how to walk, you know? <laughs> so CJ, do you have a favorite quote? Uh, yes. Um, in the eighties, there was this guy who was really famous. He used to fill up stadiums. His name was Les Brown. He's a motivational speaker. And if anyone's listening, you should go to YouTube and check out his videos, really motivating stuff. And one of his quotes was, um, you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. And um, I think inaction is one of our biggest enemies. There's that fear we all have of failing at something, which is sort of illogical because if you don't even try, you have a hundred percent chance of failure. So you just have to get started and, uh, and go after it. I really like that. Do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend for our listeners? Yeah, I, um, I went to FinCon this year, which is a, a huge, uh, financial conference, um, for uh, bloggers and podcasters and that sort of thing. And I got to meet um, some podcasters. Uh, the first one I met was uh, Nick Loper at a podcast called Side Hustle Nation. And uh, his podcast focuses, focuses on uh, how to bring in extra money from really super nice guy, real down to earth. And I've listened to probably 20 of his podcasts. They're really full of great information. Uh, the other guy, guy I met was um, 
Aaron Rosenberg, who was actually on your show a few episodes back, I saw. Yeah, we remember him. Yeah, I met him. <laughs> um, uh, Lee Huff from BaldThoughts.com, which is a website about uh, like credit cards and that sort of thing, introduced me to him at FinCon. And we stayed up until like one in the morning at some hole in the wall place in Dallas eating pizza. And uh, I got to meet him and he was he's really fun. And uh, he has a podcast called, uh, I think it's called Personal Profitability. And he talks about increasing your wealth and he talks about side gigs and all this stuff. And uh, that's a really great podcast as well. Um, as far as books go, I really think everyone should start with, it's a very short book. Um, you can read it in a couple hours, probably. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And it is a book where they use sort of like uh, parables, kind of like fables, the story. I think it's like old Roman times, like 2000 years ago. But it teaches you about money from a really high viewpoint, just, just an overall the concept of paying yourself. Uh, and one of the things it talks about in there is that um, uh, what you have left at the end of the year is how much you made. So you can tell me you made $100,000 this year, but I mean, how much of it did you save or invest? And if you say zero, I'm like, well, you made a zero dollars this year. And that's what this book really hammers home. It's a really great book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. And how can our listeners reach you? Um, yeah. Well, my, you can go to my website, which is the vowofpracticality.com. I'm on uh, Twitter, at PracticalityVow, or you can just Google Vow of Practicality, and I think all that stuff pops up. Awesome. CJ, we've loved hanging out. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Uh, yeah, I mean, this would probably sound a little cliche, but I would just say that um, a life where you aren't pursuing your dreams isn't really a life. Um, I heard somebody recently say something along the lines that a lot of people die or, or are dead between the ages of 25 and 65. They get in this grind and they accept a certain fate and they just sort of die on the inside as they do things they don't care about to make other people rich. And um, they just sort of give up on their life and their dreams and become you know, complacent. I think everyone needs a creative outlet. Everyone needs to do those things they were born to do. If you, if you don't do it, I mean, what are you going to think of yourself when you're 90 years old? Are you going to say to yourself, I sure wish I would have worked harder in that job I hated or, or I sure wish I would have given my dreams a shot. Um, so I, I just think that you really have to find out what you're passionate about and start doing it. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job, but you, you need to start working on what you're passionate about and, and live your own life. I absolutely love that. Chainers, we've been hanging out with CJ Cato. Check out his blog, vowofpracticality.com. There's loads of awesome blog posts there, and he's got a couple interesting stories to tell. Make a difference in your world and stop being a little bit more practical. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We're going to start giving shout outs to anyone that reviews us on the podcast live. So definitely get your name out there. Catch you on the flip side.